In our last study, we were looking at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, the five essentials of New Testament evangelism. God uses men. God uses men with a message, the gospel. God uses men on the move, our gospel came unto you. Now, there's a fourth characteristic. God uses men who are models of the faith. Now, God just cannot use any kind of a man. There are some people in our churches who should not go calling because they are poor advertisements for what they're trying to spread. How would you feel if a man came to your front door just as bald as a billiard ball to sell you a hair restorer? You'd say, well, my friend, why don't you use it yourself? Now, I remember one time I was sitting in a, in a hotel dining room in Detroit, and I was waiting for a friend of mine, and he and I were to go and share a meeting together. And he came walking in the dining room. I thought he was going to faint. Uh, he was thin. He was sickly looking. He, he all but hobbled up to the uh, table, and he sat down, and I said, Well, Bob, how, how are you doing? Well, he said, I'm, uh, things are all right. And before he ate, he pulled a, a bottle out of his pocket and said, you know, I've been taking these supplements, these vitamin supplements, this food. He said, this is tremendous stuff. I laughed in his face. I walked into that dining room uh, straight and uh, healthy and without any uh, affliction of any kind. And yet here he was hobbling, weak, looking emaciated, looked like a fugitive from a concentration camp. And here he was trying to sell me a food supplement that had done him so much good. Well, he didn't get a sale that day. Now, Christian friend of mine, God uses men on the move, but he uses men who are models of the faith. Paul says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of man we were among you. You know the kind of life that we live. Now, he picks this up again over in chapter 2. Let's look at it. For yourselves, brethren, know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit or of uncleanness nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Now, Paul says here, you know the kind of men we were. God uses men who are models of the faith. Now, the man has to be right. It isn't enough for the message to be right. The man has to be right. Because the Holy Spirit of God works through men. The Holy Spirit doesn't work through machinery or programs or promotion. God blesses men. You wonder why it is some fellow who's uh, perhaps hasn't had a lot of training. He goes into a church and God blesses. The church grows and people say, well, we can't understand this. He's not a gifted man. He's not a great preacher. He's not a great scholar. He's not had a great education. Ah, but God blesses men. And yet down the street there might be some fellow who has gone to school and gotten all of his degrees and has a huge library. And nothing wrong with degrees and nothing wrong with library, but they're no substitute for godliness. And yet God's not blessing his ministry because God can't use him. Now, God blesses men, men who are models of the faith. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't bless hypocrisy. There's just far too much hypocrisy today. The Holy Spirit knows when we're lying. He, he knows when people go out visiting and try to witness for Christ and they aren't living what they preach. 
It's an embarrassing thing when people stop me and say, Preacher, I had a little run-in with one of the, the members of your church down there. Well, I'm sorry to hear about that. There's two sides to every story. I'll listen to your side. Uh, this embarrasses people because, um, well, you, you like to have your witnesses be models of the faith. Now that you have the other side, too, how many, many times I've had the occasion of people stopping me and saying, you know, so-and-so is a member of your church, and my, she's a wonderful neighbor. She's a wonderful friend. My phone rang a few weeks ago, total stranger calling. She said, I know you don't know me, and you'll probably never meet me, but there's a certain lady who's a member of your church, and I want, to, I want you to know what she has done in this neighborhood and how she has been a help and a blessing to us. Well, I was glad to hear that because there are many, many people just like her who are models of the faith. The Holy Spirit doesn't bless hypocrisy. Lost people can see through our pretense and will give up and quit. You see, a person who's living a life of sham and pretense will give up and quit after a while. It's the people with real sincere, open, godly lives that God blesses. God blesses men, men with a message, men on the move, men who are models of the faith. In other words, the message has to be right, but the messenger also has to be right. And I want to be, and I think you want to be, the kind of a Christian that God can bless. Third, finally, the fifth essential for New Testament evangelism, God uses men with right motives. Men with right motives. Notice what Paul says in verse 5. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now, someone has said there are three ways to live. We can return evil for good. That's the way the devil lives. Or we can return good for good and evil for evil. That's the way men live. Or we can return good for evil. That's the way Christians live. Now, Paul's motives were right. Folks, there has to be a pure motive if God is going to bless now, the world doesn't trust us. They wonder what we're peddling. When I go to front doors and knock on the door and I say, I'm Pastor Wearsby from Calvary Baptist Church, they're on the defensive. What's he out to get? Is he out looking for more members? Is he soliciting funds? I thank God we never do that. I thank God that in the years I've been in the church I'm pastoring, I've never gone out to solicit members. I've never solicited funds. We pray constantly in our church that God will bring the people in that he wants here and send the other people where he wants them. I believe God builds the church. God gives the increase. The world doesn't trust us. And Paul is saying here, we were not only the right kind of man, but we had the right motives. You know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now, I want to read again from chapter 2. We're going to have occasion to look at chapter 2 in a few uh, lessons. Look at chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul points out here what kind of a man he could have been. He tells us what kind of a man he could have been. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you. It was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Paul could have quit. He could have said, well, nobody appreciates me. Here we at Philippi, we preached the gospel and got thrown in jail, beaten, humiliated. No more of that. I've seen that happen. I, I know Christians who have left the church for a lot smaller reasons than that. Somebody didn't talk to them. They didn't get some business deal they thought they would get. I feel sorry for people who join churches for business purposes. 
to sell real estate or sell insurance or sell cars. That's, that's a pretty low motive. You better join the church that you're a part of because God led you there and you want to sacrifice and serve God. If you're there to get instead of to give, your motive's wrong. But Paul said we didn't quit. We kept on going. Verse 3, chapter 2, For our exhortation was not of deceit or of uncleanness nor in guile. Paul said, my preaching wasn't deceitful. I, I was open about everything. I, I wasn't hiding. I wasn't using my preaching to get something out of you. Now, there are people like this. There are people who, uh, who preach the gospel, who teach Sunday school, who serve as deacons or ushers because of what they get out of it. Some prestige. Well, I'm sorry about that. But even as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts put in trust with the gospel. Paul said, my motive was right. My motive was not to please men. My motive was not to try to impress men and show men how great I am. My motive was to please God. God blesses men with right motives. Verse 5, for neither at any time usually flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others. Paul said, I could have used my authority to have you support me and feed me and clothe me and house me. I didn't do it. You see, folks, a Christian reveals his motives by the sacrifices he makes. If our motives are low, then we'll have a very um, easy time quitting. If our motive is, for example, success. Suppose your motive for teaching a Sunday school class or preaching the gospel is success, getting more people, and more people don't come, you'll quit. Paul says, God blesses man, God uses man with the right motives. Now, the only acceptable motive in Christian service is love. As you know, what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul had a little motto he lived by. Jesus first, others next, self last. Christian love is the only acceptable motive for service. Did you notice back in verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope? Now, it doesn't just simply say knowing your work and labor and patience. It's interesting, if you have your Bible in front of you, turn to Revelation chapter 2. The book of Revelation chapter 2. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven goldest candlesticks. Notice now, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. Now that's Revelation 2.2. Now God could say this about many churches. I know thy works. Oh, you have all kinds of meetings. People are running around. Boy, you're busy. You people are as busy as you can be. I know your works. I know your labor. Boy, you're toiling. And I know your patience. You're enduring a lot. But did you notice that something's missing in Revelation 2.2? What's the motive for the works? What's the motive for the labor? What is the motive for the patience? Now, if you'll compare Revelation 2.2 with 1 Thessalonians 1.3, you'll see that God's concerned about the motives. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Why did you work? Because you had faith. Your labor of love. Why did you labor and toil? Because you had love. Your patience of hope. Why were you enduring these things? Because you had hope. The difference between the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2.2 and the church at Thessalonica in Revelation 1.3 was a difference in motive. Now, you and I can only see the outside. We can see the man. 
We can see the mechanics. We can see the movement. We can't see the motive. That's why Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. We can't judge people's motives. Jesus can. He's the one who tries the motives. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And you know, there are many people in our churches whose motives for Christian service are not right. Why do they sing in the choir? To be seen and heard, not to glorify Christ. Why do they serve the Lord? There are preachers. I must confess this. There are preachers who sometimes don't preach with the right motive. They're angry at people, and so they lash out at them from the safety of the pulpit. That's a poor motive. Now, Paul is telling us here that God uses men with right motives. The love of Christ constraineth us. Now, love is the only motive that never fails. Everything else will fail. Love never fails. You know, when you love people, you keep on going. The reason Paul and Silas and Timothy did not give up and quit and pack up their bag and baggage and go back home was because they loved people. Now, I want to confess to you, I'm a pastor. Uh, I've been in my particular church now eight years. And there are times when you get discouraged. There are times when people break your heart. There are times when the, the going is tough, the battle is hard. And then just about that time, uh, an invitation comes from some other church. And you say, well, maybe it's time to move. Now, I know every pastor has gone through this. But then the heartstrings of love that tie you to the people that you care for start to uh, tug at your heart. And you know this is where God wants you. Now, Paul says God uses men who have right motives, and that only right motive is love. These are the five essentials of New Testament evangelism. God uses men. God uses men with a message, and that message is the gospel. Not a denominational program, but the gospel. God uses men on the move. God uses men who are models of the faith, who practice what they preach. And God uses men who have right motives, men whose hearts and lives are right before God and whose hearts are constrained by love. Now, the Lord willing, in our next lesson, we will look at this enthusiastic church and this exemplary church in Thessalonica. This is Pastor Warren Wearsby thanking you for listening. And tune in again next time to find out what... It's the good word.